Welcome to the Talk with Clouds podcast. Your host is Katie Ann, an island girl on a journey with her guests to learn about their backgrounds, businesses, passions, experiences, life lessons, and wins. Come and laugh, cheer, learn, and plan with us. My friend, take some time to come and talk with Clouds. Hello world, welcome to Talk with Clads. My name is Katie Ann and I will be your host for today. We are joined by Mr. Greg Goodman. Greg has been, he has over 30 years in fundraising experience and has been an expert in his field. He holds a major role in the South Florida region in one of the largest and major None for profits in the world. So welcome, Greg. Welcome, welcome. Thanks for having me here, Katie. So, Greg, tell us a little bit about your background. Sure. You know, I I I have a, a been in the professional world for about forty years, uh, but when I entered the nonprofit arena after doing corporate uh, marketing and public relations for many years, I found myself as the First, as a senior marketing and communications uh, person for these organizations, but in that role, while I didn't report to fundraising, in that role, I was called upon to help write case statements and and, uh, convincing letters and collateral pieces to help the fundraising people be able to raise money uh, when they were called upon to do so. so. So for many years, I was more of a support person in the area of fundraising, but then things changed a little bit for me, uh, working for a major senior care organization for uh, really over 12 years. I found myself working for a senior VP of the organization who really uh, suggested that I maybe cross-train in, uh, in not, just, not just providing support to fundraising, but actually doing face-to-face and telephone and communication fundraising, uh, which I did. And in that, that particular role, I, I had my own, uh, what we call portfolio of annual givers. And it was my responsibility to nurture relationships with them and, and ask the, and clearly ask them for money on, a, on an annual basis. So that's really where for the, so working for that organization over 12 years, that's where I really cut my teeth in fundraising. And, and then uh, when I left that organization, this organization, this current, uh, the current organization that I work for, I'm very proud of it. I'm very, uh, I have a real passionate for our mission. Um, I was called upon to be a major gifts officer. Uh, and again, handling a portfolio, a significant portfolio of major donors, major meaning uh, people that uh, give well over $2,500 a year, but really into the millions as well. And that is exactly what I do. I've been in this role for a couple of years now, and and I'm really proud of, well, I'm proud of I'm not just proud of the fact that that I have donors that are generous, but I'm proud of the fact that that I've been able to both build and nurture relationships with my donors. And really, that's what I do. Ah, well, so many people, you know, they don't understand fundraising itself. So what is a common myth about fundraising and how do you debunk that myth? Okay, well, I guess the common myth about fundraising and just like, just like in, in sales is that, is that, um, you only communicate with donors when you want to ask them for money and then they never hear from you again. And actually, that's pretty interesting because, um, to say that because, um, I picked up a, a pick, I picked up, I picked up a new donor partner just recently. And one of the things she said to me was, 
Uh, she decided not to give to a couple of other nonprofits after a while because she realized that they really, in fact, only did call her once a year when they wanted money. And I said to her, well, that's not the way we work here. And that's not the way I work in, in, in general, because I would say that, quite frankly, that in all of the communications that I have with my donors in a given year, I would say that. If I talk to them maybe 12 or, 12 or 13 times during the year, I'm really just actually asking them for money two of those times. Because the other 10 times that I'm talking to them or whenever I'm talking to them is really to, to check in on them, to ask how they're doing. I know enough about them to be able to communicate with them and, and wish them well on a birthday. Talk to them if something bad has happened in their life, life like if somebody has passed away. Again, check in on them uh, and also update them on a regular basis on on the impact of their giving, clearly. And and yeah, I, a few times a year, I actually do say, you know, you know, we uh, we could use your money. So um, but yeah, so th- that's it. I mean, fundraising is all about to me. Fundraising is all about listening, understanding the people that you're talking to and sh- understanding their passion, what resonates with them. And, and being in a really good position when needed, when the time comes to ask them for money for a particular initiative. And that's clearly what I do. So do you have an awkwardness or is there an awkwardness when you were asking for money or does it come naturally? Uh, no, I don't have any type of awkwardness in asking somebody for money at all. One of the reasons for that, again, and, and, I, and I hope I'm not repeating myself, is that is that I communicate with my donors enough throughout the year, throughout every year, so that when we talk, I know a lot about them. I know I know about their lives. I know about certain things. I know about what what they're passionate about. And um and I and I again I listen to them. I listen to what resonates with them when they're making their philanthropic giving decisions with my organization with other organizations. So when it comes time for them, for me to ask them for money, I'm really, I don't have any qualms about that because I'm ready to ask them for money. And they're, they're actually ready to hear me ask them for money. There's that expectation. So many people believe that fundraising is challenging to the point it becomes overwhelming and too much to handle. Why do you think people believe that? I guess I, you know, I hate to relate fundraising to sales because it's really not. Um, sales is also about relationship building, but with sales, you're really, you're really asking people to buy your product at that particular moment. And maybe it's true that you're building, even in sales, you, you are building relationship with, with them too. And, and maybe sometimes you're really not asking them to buy. Maybe it takes some time in the same way. If you're going to raise, if you're going to raise money for an organization, you better understand the organization and you better have a passion for the mission of the organization. Because otherwise, you're not going to be convincing if that's not the case. And, and, and I'm lucky, very lucky at this point to have a real passion for a mission, a passion for the things that my organization does to help people. And uh, I can put my arms around exactly what we do to help people i understand exactly and i and i'm also on the other other hand i'm also a volunteer for my organization too when i'm needed to do something of great benefit away from just fundraising that 
allows me to be able to come back to donors with with a real story of how I how I personally make a difference. So let me just say that if you're going to if you want to be a fundraiser again, I would say that you better be sure that you're passionate about the mission of the organization that you're raising money for. If you are, if you're as passionate about it as your donor, ideally as your donor, then you're going to have an easy time speaking to your donor about why you think that, you know, a gift would be important. So you mentioned, you use the word passion a lot. So what are some things that you are passionate about? I am passionate about, uh, well, number one, I'm passionate about making lives better for people in crisis. I happen to be passionate about helping military families and veterans who may be in crisis, who may have trouble coping with with a loved one's deployment, or may have trouble coping with maybe post-traumatic stress disorder from being in the in the service and in armed services. I'm passionate about that. I'm passionate about understanding the differences of people and accepting and embracing differences in people. I'm pa- again, I'm passionate about helping people at time of crisis. So as you, you've navigated your, your professional path, looking back at your younger self, like what's one thing you wish you knew before entering the realm of fundraising? I wish I, I would, you know, in the beginning, I wish I was more mature, I guess. I wish I was self-aware. I wish I was non-compromising about what I believe in or what my, again, what my passions are. I wish I related better when I was, when I was a kid, just starting out of my career working for a corporation. I wish I could have related better to my colleagues. Um, I wish I understood that the idea of never burning bridges with anybody better as well as I understand that today, because I do. Um, <laughs> it does come back. One of the things I also wish when I was of my younger self was that I wish that I wish it's not so much about me, but I wish that the things that we have zero tolerance for today, discrimination, racism, harassment, I wish that organizations embraced that zero tolerance issue early 80s, the 90s, when I first started my career. So I wouldn't have to deal with such things earlier in my career. I wish that there was an understanding of that. And I know that there are some organizations that are as poisoned today as I remember organizations yeah. being as poisoned 35, 40 years ago. Clad's resources and consulting values its customers. Our planner Footsteps to My Vision is a 13-month planner that can be used for five years. It walks you through SMART goals, SWOT analysis, action planning, and holds you accountable through three monthly check-ins. We work only with top quality materials, innovative designs, and verified suppliers, which are guaranteed to deliver to our high expectations because when it comes to our customer satisfaction, there's no room for compromise. Made with high quality PU leather and paper planner helps you focus on achieving your goals by giving you a sense of personal and professional satisfaction. Some of the amazing features of this product Vision Board Planner, Luxury Pen, 8GB USB Flash Drive, 
wireless mouse, ultra elegant packaging box, available in five stunning colors, black, red, gold, pink, navy blue. Material, PU leather, 13 month planner, elastic band for easy handling. Our Footsteps to My Vision is available at Amazon, Facebook, Instagram, our website, and at Walmart. You may also follow us at www.cladsresources.com, Instagram, Clads Resources, Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Clads Resources forward slash. So what has been your biggest life lesson thus far throughout um, fundraising? My life lesson is that it's really a lot more important to listen to what people have to say than to just to talk to them. That's my life's lesson, that I wish that I listened more when I was younger, and I know better today that I need to listen to people far more than letting an individual hear me talk. That's a good one. That's a really good one. Yeah. So who are the three people who have been the most influential influential to you throughout this um, your journey? Well, I don't want to mention my name. No, title. <laughs> <laughs> you know, years years ago, years ago, uh, I worked for a uh, an integrated healthcare system. I mean, by integrated healthcare system, I worked for a, for an organization that that um, had a CEO that was forward-looking enough, even in the 80s, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s, was forward-looking enough to, to know that it was important for a healthcare system to be, to not just have a hospital, but to, but to embrace home care and, and other parts of uh, the healthcare system within the, the organization itself. And I was, so I was really lucky to work for a forward-looking CEO that I respected. I, I, I respected his leadership. And I also thought he was a heck of a nice guy. He treated me with a lot of respect. He, he appreciated the fact that I wanted to, that I considered him my, my mentor. Uh, so I like that. There are, there are, there are people throughout my career, there are CEOs or leaders in my career who I have no respect for. But this is one person <laughs> who I have great respect for because he was so forward looking in, in an era that some, some weren't as forward looking in that particular industry and that he was just a nice guy. He was a caring person. Uh, so, so yeah, there's one mentor there. There are others, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> you can't just remember them? <laughs> um, well, one person in particular, uh, the senior VP that I worked for in the 12 years that I worked for the senior care organization, I, I really got a lot out of her. I did. Re- I considered her my mentor, too. And, and I like the fact that she was one person who really did listen as opposed to just talk. She had wonderful relationships with with people in general, and uh, and I appreciated that. I appreciate that in her. So I I guess I learned a lot from her about how to how to uh, how to raise money. Raising money is about building and nurturing relationships. That's exactly what it is. So I learned a lot from her, and I don't know. You know, um, I guess in I don't I don't want to get political, but in the political arena, I have a lot more respect for. Political leaders who are who are caring and um, willing to put themselves out there 
to help people as opposed to uh, spit on people. So there have been political leaders in my life who I've been a lot more, who I've felt a lot of respect for just because of their their beliefs and their caring nature. So, so I have, well, I've been asking you nothing but questions. Okay. But you. what has been your favorite project relating to fundraising? You know, just besides, besides being really strategic and coming up with a strategic plan. Or favorite memory. One of my favorite memories, and I, and I don't want to get, you know, I'm not revealing the organization that I work for right now, but one of my favorite memories was um, was personally being deployed to fly out to a place that was dealing with a significant crisis. And I was deployed to this place uh, to fill in as a fundraiser. But what I found myself doing also was I found myself being out in the field and helping people, going to shelters and helping there and really getting my feet wet and getting my hands dirty and and relating side by side with a lot of really other passionate and, and caring and, and uh, uh, caring people that were trying to help people. And that is that really is my favorite probably my one of my favorite experiences and that was sort of early in my tenure with this particular organization that I work for and I'm lucky and I'm fortunate that I actually was the one who raised my hand to say yes I will go to this uh, this state that's dealing with a crisis and and I will be there and I'll do that um, so I guess that's my one of my favorite memory that that I was really working 14 hour days getting really tired but and, and seeing really sad things but also knowing that I was personally uh, helping so I would say that that's probably one of my favorite so on the flip side of that like what would you say is one of your worst memories that you have that it still helped you to develop and hone your craft more I, I guess um, you know I'm not really afraid of somebody saying no to me, you know, if I, if I, if I ask for money and when I do ask for, for a gift, I'm not afraid of that. Um, I'd rather that not happen. Um, but perhaps there've been times when I've really tried to convince somebody to support something that I support and he or she decided, well, no, that's not, no, the answer is no. So I guess in fundraising, you know, you don't want to get a no, and so that's your goal is to really not get a no. So I guess that's one thing that's not the negative. But I'm also not again, like I said, I'm as a fundraiser, I'm not afraid of getting a no from somebody, and um, and maybe if I do get a no, maybe I look back back at how I positioned it or or what I said to the individual, and I guess what I could have done better by asking a little bit more. But part of that is listening and, and, you know, if somebody says no to me, you know, maybe I want to say, well, what would have made you say yes? And <laughs> you answered, you answered my question before I asked, how do you turn the no's into yes's? Um, I just, uh, the no's into yes's, I just, I guess just by understanding why I got the no and being in a bit, you know, and getting the no this time, but being a better, in a better position, understanding what exactly resonates with the person that gave me a no and the next time around being in a better position to get a yes on something that makes more sense to that person. 
So what advice would you give to someone who wants to enter the fundraising realm? Does it apply only to a private, a public, uh, not-for-profit sector, or can you use it in private sectors? And what types of jobs can they get from that? Okay, well, the first thing, and I probably already said this, the first thing that I would say is to, is to go to our, if you're going to raise, if you're going to be a fundraiser, you better pick an organization that makes sense to you, that with a mission of it makes complete sense to you uh, because otherwise you're not going to be a good fundraiser if you personally don't have that passion that's number one the other thing also is 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 understanding that you're not just talking to a person you're not just getting on the phone with the person and saying here here's why you should give and you you know here's the story that i'm going to give you uh, you have to step back and in order to build a relationship and nurture with a relationship with somebody, you need to know a lot about them and you need to listen to them. Uh, you need to listen first before you talk. So those are two things, I think. Right. So where, what type of organizations hires fundraisers? So nonprofit or nonprofit 501c3 nonprofit organizations hire fundraisers. <laughs> the only re if you work in a for-profit, the only reason that you would be hired with fundraising experience to some extent is if you're working for a corporation that actually has a foundation. That puts you on the other side of it though, because when you work for a foundation of an organization, yeah, you might be raising some money to fund that foundation to be able to give that money, but you're also on the, on the end of, you're also the one that's being approached to get money, you know, so. Uh, so again, yeah, there are for-profit organizations that have foundations. Uh, but typically, if you're going to be a fundraiser, you're going to be working for a nonprofit organization that needs the money. So what type of internships can someone do in fundraising? Well, in my organization, I happen to be the volunteer lead, uh, which means that I get, uh, from our volunteer services department, I get referrals of people that want to volunteer in fundraising, in, in all over, but in fundraising. So I bring on both volunteers and interns. I happen to have an intern, uh, a summer intern from a college. And the intern, typically an intern is, is doing, being an intern because he or she is getting credit, college, excuse me, college credit for, for doing it. So, and also typically interns are very often required to give a lot more hours to to give a lot more hours by the week during the period of the internship than a, than a person that's volunteering just in general. That's not always the case, but in my situation, my intern is required to do at least 25 hours a week of internships. So, so my intern and, and interns really is, I've encouraged my intern to take on certain projects. So he's project oriented. He has a couple of things that he's doing. He's self-directed and I, I'm giving him the direction to what he's supposed to do, but he's self-directed. Um, volunteers in general in fundraising are often called upon to, uh, to maybe go online and do some donor research. Donor research is really important because it's, because I find it really important to learn everything that, that I can about my donors. I find it important to know what their birth dates are, whether they're married, 
whether they've had some life experiences that that I need to know about. What else they give to? Uh, do they give to? Uh, do they attend other fundraising events? Do they have any children? Have they got accolades on the job or accolades in general? That's really important. So donor research to me is really important. Why? Donor research is important because it's all about building that relationship. If I know a person's birthday, that's important. If I know the types of holidays that they celebrate and I take the time to send a card to them or call them up, that's important to me. Uh, that's all about building the relationship. If I know that something sad has happened in their life, I want to know about it so that I can get in touch with them and express my condolences. I think that's important. Really important for me to know what else they give to so I get a good feel about what their areas of interest are in fundraising. <laughs> and clearly, I like to know where they live, you know. And no, that's not just funny. Where they live, because a lot of people have 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 multiple homes. And it's important to know, you know, for me, it's important to know if somebody lives in a place that is dealing with a crisis, even though their primary home is not dealing with that same crisis, that I want to know that I can contact them and see how are you doing in the crisis that's impacting your home where you live elsewhere. So that's really important. So what skill sets do you think someone will need to have going into fundraising? Um, I think they need to be pretty strategic in terms of uh, understanding understanding what they're looking for, what's, what fundraising is all about. Um, I think they need to be really good listeners. They need to be better listeners than talkers. Uh, but they also need to really not be afraid of getting on the phone with somebody and communicating with people. I think they should have great written communication skills and great oral communication skills. Um, I think that they should have a heart and a soul. And I think that they should have an interest. Again, I can't say it enough. They should have an interest in the organization that they're raising money for. Um, that's a, that, I mean, that's like a simple skill set. Why would you, you know, if you don't like Nabisco cookies, why would you work for Nabisco cookies, you know? Right. Yeah, okay. Well, that's an idea. But if you don't like the cookie, then what are you working for them for? It's kind of like, it's kind of, you know, it's sort of like clearly a smart person would not say, I hate that cookie <laughs> if he or she is in the marketing department trying to sell Some that cookies. cookie. Yes. Um, but I think it's really important. I think that's really important to be non-compromising today about where you're going, to, where you choose to work. It's better to, to know that you're working for a place where you like the product. If you don't like the product. How are you going to be a good marketer? Right. Just like if you don't like the cause, if you if you're against the cause that the nonprofit that that the nonprofit serves, I guess so to speak. How are you going to be a good fundraiser? How are you going to be able to communicate about that? Oh, I mean, don't you think you have people that can fake it? Yeah, there are people that can fake it, but eventually they're found out. I, but why Why would you want to fake it? Why would you want to work for an organization and be fake about your commitment to it? People do, but I think it's wrong for them to do that. Yeah. I mean, today, why compromise? So that leads to my next question. Do you think that entering into the field or working into the field 
of fundraising as a career, that it is something that can be profitable to someone. If you're, if you're selling to someone, you shouldn't have to sell. You know, I have this great fundraising job. Does it pay well? Because a lot of times we think non-for-profit jobs don't pay. Well, some, okay, well, some, some non-profits, some non-profits do pay well. Some, not, some non-profits, some fundraisers get a commission at the end of the year or get a bonus at the year, end of the year based upon their goals. But most nonprofits, most nonprofits are better respected if people outside of the organization know that a great percentage of the funds that are brought in go toward direct services. So, you know, I worked for an organization before this one that had incredible revenue, had revenue that you would expect from any for-profit uh, and paid pretty, and pay actually paid pretty well. So you never know. Uh, but, you know, but agree, there are a lot of nonprofits, small nonprofits that really don't pay that much. And so you have to make a decision about that. You have to decide it. You know, everybody, everybody, but you know, the, there are a lot of larger nonprofit organizations that that are really looking very seriously about the level of pay, the pay that they, the the pay that they're they're offering to their employees, and and everybody, every organization really wants the best. And sometimes you have to, um, sometimes you have to um, uh, offer a, a level of pay that's going to give you the best people. So, um, so we all have to be competitive. Organizations have to be competitive, but right, there are small nonprofit organizations that work on a shoestring, and therefore, you maybe you don't make a whole lot of money. So, what advice? And this is based on your expertise. If <laughs> there is an organization that is looking to hire someone that's a, a fundraiser and may not have one, and it's a non non for profit, what resources are out there for them? So if they're looking to hire someone, if I'm looking to hire, if, to hire someone that's a, a fundraiser, but I don't necessarily know where to start looking, apart from going on your regular Indeed or your regular job boards, like what are some resources that they could use first? You mean a, you mean a person that wants a job as a fundraiser, or a person that's looking for a fundraiser? A person that's looking for the fundraiser. Oh, um, hmm. you know, if you're if you're in a in a community. Where there are a lot of nonprofits organizations, you really should be networking anyway. You should be, you should be, you should know who your who who the people are, who are your who are your counterparts at other organizations. So if you know those people, it should be kind of easy to say, "Hey, go up to somebody confidential confidentially and say, hey, I have this position open. Would you like it?'" You know. So network you should be networking with with your counterparts everywhere anyway. So um, so yeah, that's how you look for that's how you look for talent. You look for talent because you know the talent that's out there. Right. Or you or you go off to some nonprofits and say, hey, do you know I'm looking for somebody, do you know of anybody? So and are there there are grants out there that they pay they offer for salaries? I'm not sure. This is actually a question that was not formulated right. Because I know sometimes there are grants out there that 
you know, they'll pay for different rent expenses. Can they u- utilize those rents or? I, I don't really know that. Uh, I mean, there is there is some. You mean for a fundraiser? No, I I don't think you know because because typically nonprofits strive to keep administrative costs, meaning wages, salary, and wages separate from direct service. Um, so you're really looking. So we're all really looking for grants and from foundations that give toward direct service. I don't know a whole lot of foundations that that are that that you can go after. Hey, we want to pay a fundraiser. That's Whoa. that's not going to work. <laughs> but uh, but you know, but to backtrack, there are some organizations. They're not fundraiser. They're not. They don't fund fundraiser jobs. But there are there are some foundations that will fund like a chair for a a medical director. There are some. They're called chairs. There are there there are there are foundations that say, okay, we're going to fund the wages or whatever or the research funds. We're going to provide research funds for your medical director, uh, but typically not for people that work in fundraising jobs. Okay. So what? If we're going to wrap it up. Okay. I see. I'm not as long as I thought I was going to be. Okay. <laughs> What's one question that I have not asked you that you wish I would have asked? Well, it might be obvious, but. But one question is, am I happy in my current role? And, well, and to tell obvious. you, this, it's probably obvious that <laughs> that there are things that I like. I like the people I work with. I like I like uh, the mission of my organization. I love my donors uh, that I that I'm able to speak with that I that do communicate with me, uh, and that's almost all of them anyway. I love them. Um, I have great conversations with my donors. I consider many of them to be my friends. Or, or not friends that I go out and have a drink with, but you know I, I consider yeah. them warm people and, and kind people that listen to me. And uh, I like the fact that my organization is an organization that has zero tolerance for for racism, for discrimination, for um, hatred. For I, I like that we have zero tolerance. I like the fact that there is zero tolerance for things that um, that. That I wish my companies and organizations in the past had zero tolerance for. Well, where can our listeners connect with you online? Oh, um, why? Uh, well, my, my they can connect with. I'll give you my personal email. My personal email is g r e g g o four two nine at aol.com and yes i'm still in aol.com <laughs> um, but please a- anybody that wants to connect with me personally that's that's the best way to do so thank you thank you thank you thank You're you welcome. so much Glad for enjoying greg i mean i actually i'm listening to you and i'm still learning so happy to do it thank you so much well everyone thank you so much for listening to us and take some time to talk with clats bye guys You're listening to Talk with Clads. Find more resources online at cladsresources.com. Now back to the show with your host, Katie Ann. Thanks for listening. Find us on social media at Clads Resources and online at www.cladsresources.com.
Our planner, Footsteps to My Vision, is also located on our website or on Facebook, Instagram, or Amazon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share, and check back weekly for new episodes. Until next time, keep creating your footpath to your vision.